Would you guys go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5? And today we're going to uh, study verses 10 through 12. And if you look at the top of your notes, we're going to be talking about blessed persecution, okay? So this is, we're going to conclude our series on the hard sayings of Jesus. Last week we talked about money, you know, and I'm like, I dreaded preaching that message because it's money and people want to be private with their money, but Jesus talks a lot about money, so we have to talk about it. And today we're going to be talking about persecution. How fun is it to be at church this morning, right? We're going to learn about being persecuted for your faith. And, and Jesus says that there is a blessing when it comes to that. Um, do you guys know that last year they tallied that there was 4.6 billion, not million, billion dollars, 4.6 billion dollars spent on like they call it like Christian mimicry, like it's, it's basically Christian version of secular products. They're like knockoffs. No wonder the world makes fun of us, all right? So, for example, you know, they have the show like Amazing Race. They would have Amazing Grace, like Reese's Peanut Butter, Jesus, King of Kings, Mountain Dew, Meant to Die. That's super lame, right? Um, YouTube, they would have shirts, 4.6 billion. God wants you to be saved. I was like, come on, really? Um, Starbucks sacrificed for me. I'm like, come on, dude, like for real. And then uh, Burger King, they would have things like Christ is King and things that are so lame. And, you know, Christians, well, I want to be a Christian and, you know, but I want to be relevant and $4.6 billion spent on these things to identify as being a Christ follower. But this morning, there's one characteristic or one trait that really not only demarcates what a true Christ follower is, but really defines what it means to follow Jesus, and it is called suffering and persecution. Suffering and persecution, because what happens to Jesus happens to those who are in Jesus. In other words, what happens to Christ happens to those who are in Christ. So if Christ was baptized and he says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. When you are baptized, it happened to Christ. It happens to those who are in Christ. Christ will be glorified. You and I will have a glorified body. Christ suffered, so you and I will also suffer if we're following Jesus. And for us to do that, we're going to look through our text in Matthew chapter 5. So if we could all stand together, just in reverence to God's word. Matthew chapter 5. We'll be talking about the blessed persecution or the blessing of persecution. Verses 10 to 12. I can read, you can follow along with your eyes. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Verse 12, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we're, um, we want to follow you for who you are, not what we want you to be. 
Lord, we seek your face. We seek the giver, not just the gifts. Lord, you say that there is a blessing, there's a happiness that comes with suffering for you. And so, Father, I pray that we will not avoid that, that we will not tiptoe around the tulips, around this area of suffering and persecution. But, Lord, just as you embrace the cross and just as you lay down the requirements to be a follower of you, that if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So, Lord, we want to do that this morning. I pray that you would give us strength, that you would give us uh, the desire, Lord, to follow you, Lord, as Revelation says, to be faithful until death. So, Lord, I ask for your grace to be with us right now. Lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So Matthew chapter 5 to Matthew verse 7, chapter 5 to chapter 7 is the first block of teaching material in Matthew dealing with ethics in the kingdom, okay? And specifically, uh, verses 10, uh, verses about 2 to verse 10, there's eight what we, there's eight series of teachings that describe what life in the kingdom of God would be like. And it's commonly referred to as the Beatitudes. It's from the Latin beati, meaning beauty, uh, not beauty, but blessedness. Okay? And the Greek word for that is makarios, meaning that there is not just a happiness, but there is a permanent sense of living under the rule of God, living in the reality of who God is. And so when it says blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, blessed are the meek, blessed are the peacemakers, it echoes to Psalm chapter 1 verse 1, right? Which is what? Blessed, right? Are those who walk after me, right? Blessed are those um, who walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, but their delight is in the law of the Lord. So this idea then in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, is that there is a blessing with persecution. Now the first four in the Beatitudes, they have this idea of hungering or lacking or needing something. Blessed are the poor, blessed are the hunger, blessed are those who are meek. But then the last four, it talks about being filled all right, and in verse 10, it starts off with blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I have three main points that, has, that correlate to the three main verses. Number one is this. Would you write down in your notes? Righteous suffering is a blessing because the kingdom of God is yours now. Why would... Jesus take what seems to be two mutually exclusive antithetical terms or opposite terms like happy or blessed with words like suffering and persecution. Because righteous suffering is a blessing because the kingdom of God is yours now. Look at Matthew 5 verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted, not just any persecution, right, but persecuted for righteousness' sake. 
Because there's two types of suffering. First Peter, first Peter says, man, there's righteous suffering or suffering for doing what is good and right, but there's wrong suffering, suffering for something that you did on your own, right? That there's, uh, Jesus says he causes the rain to, to pour down on the righteous and the unrighteous, and he causes the sun to, to shine on the just and the unjust, meaning that bad things happen to good, good to everybody, Christians have to sit in traffic too. Can I get an amen, right? We have to do our taxes too. By the way, it's due coming up, right? That Christians experience suffering and illness and cancer and death and mental illness and a, the myriad of bad things that happen. We all suffer, but there's bad su suffering or natural suffering, but there is a good suffering, which is suffering for the sake of Jesus. And Jesus says there is a a blessing that comes with suffering for my sake or for the sake of righteousness. Look at that particle right there. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Why is there a blessing for suffering? Because yours is the kingdom of heaven. You notice the, the finite verb there is, it's present tense meaning it is not a future tense. Because oftentimes we relate suffering like, oh, I'm suffering now. Um, you know, I'm standing up for Jesus. My family's uh, put me aside. People are talking stink about me, but I'm trying to live for Jesus because I'll, in the future I'll have a great reward in heaven. Jesus says, no, no, no. Blessed are you for being persecuted for righteousness' sake because why? Yours is the kingdom of heaven right now. Meaning, the reign and rule of God, the kingship of Lord Jesus, when you and I submit and we fall under the righteousness, Romans 10 says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and the Holy Spirit. When there's righteousness, peace, and the Holy Spirit upon us and we, we live under that, there's a blessing because it means that you and I are in kingdom living. It means that you and I are experiencing the reality of the resurrected, risen Lord. That there's a separation between wheat and tares. From lambs and goats. Do you guys know that now more than ever in the history of America, there's more people who, who claim no religious affiliation at all. In a seven-year span, it went from about 13% to 23%. Almost a quarter of the people now say, like, you know what, I don't believe. I grew up Christian. I went to church. I went to VBS and all that stuff. But, you know, I'm in college. I kind of did my own thing. And I don't really ascribe to any religion. And with all this money being spent on on buildings and Christian music and worship music and Christian clothing and Christian merchandise. How come it seems like we're pouring all this money but yet the followers of Christ have become, is, is dwindling a little bit. You know, Jesus says, hey, you guys know how to tell the weather from outside if it's cloudy? It's like, okay, the rain is going to come. But he says, you don't know how to interpret the times. What does, what does Jesus mean by that? In regards to discipleship, I think now for the first time ever in history here in America, there is the true Christians are beginning to come out.
that they're not just nominal Christians. You know what I mean by nominal? It just means by name. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I get to do whatever I want. I live with my boyfriend. I live with my girlfriend. I smoke weed. I do all that, but I'm a Christian. I, you know, I have a Bible. No, no, I'm a Christian by name or a titular Christian that you're a Christian by title. Now it begins through suffering. When you stand for what is right, when you stand for Christ, you, you, there is a blessing because it means that you live under the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is on you now. That the reign of King Jesus is over your life. And why is there a blessing? It, it validates that you're saved. It validates and it confirms that you're living in the kingdom now. That's why there is a blessing that you are suffering. You know, I'll never forget when I was a youth pastor, um, just ministering, there was uh, a girl, her name was uh, Christy. She gave her life to Christ and, you know, she had a radical transformation, you know, and um, started becoming a disciple for Christ. And it's about this time, um, around springtime, her, her mom was uh, a CPA, so her mom uh, did, the, did her taxes, okay? And pulled her aside and said, hey, Christy, what is this? You're a college student and you gave this much to the church? You work, you stay up late, you work super hard and you give to this church? I don't approve of this. We didn't raise you. And you're, you're, you're go at first you were going to that Christian church and that's fine, that's okay. And you become actually more respectful and a better daughter, but... Now you're giving to the church. I, I can't allow this. You, you, you know what? You cannot go anymore. It says, Mom, you know what? I love you with all my heart. But if you're asking me to choose whether you or Jesus, I'm going to choose Jesus every single time. Because Jesus says, do not think, don't get it twisted. I did not come to bring peace on earth, but I come to bring a sword to divide Jesus says, man, if, if no one who wants to follow me puts his hand to the plow and looks back, he's, you're not worthy to, my, to be my disciple. He says, your love for me should be so supreme. Your loyalty and my, your allegiance to me should be so primary that your relationship with your, mo your mom or your dad, brother or sister, it should be called hate because that's how much you love me. And persecution then comes, and she said, you know what, Mom, I love you, but if, it, if that means not being under your household, but I'll still follow Jesus. I love you, but I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to st still obey and, and be a disciple of Jesus. And it's like, okay, I got it. You're standing in your convictions. You know, she was shunned in her family parties. People made fun of her. It's like, oh, why, why do you do that? Why do you, you know, you're a starving college student and you give what you have and you tie to the church. That doesn't make sense. It's like, because money doesn't have a grip on me. All money belongs to the Lord. And I'm going to give. So there is a blessing because yours is the kingdom of heaven. It means that you and I are participating heaven on earth through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Because first century Jews needed two things when it came to this idea of the kingdom of heaven. They needed a Messiah or the anointed one or the Christ, which we now know as Jesus. 
but they also two things Christ the Messiah and resurrection from the dead what did Jesus do after he died he resurrected so the age to come this kingdom of heaven is here now and part of living under the ruleship of Jesus is suffering look at 2nd Timothy chapter 3 verse 12 indeed all right for all you young people all you Millennials for show right for real indeed all who desire let me stop let me stop you there all who every single person who desires every single person who wants not actually does but wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted right it's almost saying like all those indeed all who want to be fit and skinny and healthy and exercise you will be fit skinny and healthy no no no. you actually got to do it but Paul tells Timothy here hey bro hey Timothy my young protege my if you just every single person that wants to live for Jesus you will be persecuted and the grammatical tense of that word will be that's what we call a nomic future tense meaning g-n-o-m-i-c nomic future tense meaning it's just a part of nature it is what it is the sun will rise the sun will set and it's just, birds will chirp that kind of idea and he says if you desire to live for Christ Jesus it will be persecuted it, it it will happen to you even if you just start off with the desire to live for Jesus Christ blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for yours is the kingdom of heaven you ex you and I experience the abundant life here on earth through the life death and resurrection of Jesus number two would you write down persecution comes in the form of physical and verbal suffering okay persecution comes in the form of physical and verbal suffering let's continue in verse 11 Jesus says blessed are you so uh, Jesus here starting from verse 11 um, he switches the audience because he would make these general statements blessed are those blessed are those blessed are those but now he addresses his hearers who are going through persecution he says in verse 11 blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account that they're accusing you falsely on account of living righteously under the kingdom and reign of God John chapter 15 verse 21 Jesus says but all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me you know, it was in my sophomore year I had this crazy radical transformation I gave my life to the Lord and I and I felt called to to be a pastor and I felt called to to teach and to disciple and to even start a Christian club so I started one uh, in Baldwin Park High School where I was at and then we moved to Glendale California just east of um, 
Los Angeles, downtown Los Angeles, and in LA, uh, my first year there, I had a class with um, AP English, and um, you know, uh, one of the assignments was, hey, get to know each other, he, pair up with a neighbor. It's like, okay, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite food? You know, that kind of thing. And AP English, yeah, right. Anyways, and so um, we're just paired up with a person. It's like, who's the most influential person in your life? And, um, you know, what do you like to do and stuff like that? And so uh, during the presentation, my uh, classmate presented, oh, this is Jose. And... Uh, his favorite color is blue. He likes the Lakers, Dodgers, and Rams, right? And so, and he said, um, the most influential person in his life is his dad, who's a pastor, and also his youth pastor, because the youth pastor has uh, helped him, uh, you know, in his walk with God. And then my teacher, right, she's like, wait, wait, what? He goes, yeah. So you're, it's like, you know what? You're young. You're just a junior in high school, but once you go to college, you're on your own. You'll be so enlightened. You'll see the freedom. You know, you're just, you know, you're so parochial. You're so limited. You're so short-sighted in your worldview right now, and all you know is what your parents tell you. But when you go to college and you're enlightened, you'll see, and you're going to walk away from this, and you're going to look back in your life. I'm like, what? Are you serious? This is first day of class. Like, are you kidding me? I wasn't even wearing my, you know, uh, Christ is King shirt either, right? I promise you, I wasn't. And so for the rest of the semester, she would just read me, like, just, it's like, hey, well, you're, you're that Bible Christian boy, right? Yeah, okay. Well, you know what? All right. Hey, everyone. Jose is going to enlighten us on what the Bible says about masturbation, okay? Go ahead. I'm like, I don't know anything. Like, I'm just trying to follow the Lord. And she would just put me on the spot. And she's like, you watch, you watch, you'll see. I'm like, okay. About, fast forward the tape, about 13 years later, one of my mentors uh, that I met, he was my math teacher, uh, who was actually, who did missions in the Philippines. That's why there was this affinity uh, his, his father passed. And so uh, in the dad's funeral, they had the, the, the co-workers, a bunch of teachers were there. And I saw uh, this, uh, the teacher, all right? Uh, let's just say her name is uh, Miss Lane, okay? And Miss Lane, when I saw her, you know, it's like, what, 13 years? But she aged like 40 years. And she just got divorced going on her third marriage, two kids, two separate dads, just looked haggard and tired, carrying a baby, and, and she looked at me, uh, like, hey, Miss Lane, how's it going? It's so great to see you. And it's like, well, you know, this is my wife, Renee, and we have two boys, and um, we're pastors, and we're, I'm still walking with Jesus, you know? And she's like, oh, you know? Can you guys see just the abundant life of living in the kingdom of God? Because we think, you know, following the Bible, you know, and following Jesus, it's so restrictive. It's just a bunch of rules, you know. There's no freedom in that. Could I just debunk this myth real quick that freedom is not doing what you want to do. Freedom is doing what you ought to do. 
biblical and true freedom is not doing whatever the heck you want. That when you have such an anger problem, a person just gives you the stink eye, like, what? And you go on a road rage, I do whatever I want. Is that real freedom? Or is it freedom, what you ought to do and having self-control? It's like, let it go. Is, is freedom like, oh, I'm going to buy whatever I want. Oh, I want that, I want that, I want that. Oh, when the Yeezy's coming out, when the iPhone 6, whatever. And you just, I want that. And, and being consumed and controlled and enslaved by materialism. And, oh, I get, I buy whatever I want. Is that true freedom? Or is true freedom like, you know what? I don't need that. I'm good. And being content. Because there's a freedom living in the kingdom of God that breaks the yoke of slavery, that breaks the, the mastery of your sinful nature. And we're to be, Jesus says, man, there's a blessing when you're persecuted because it means you're my disciple. It means that you're tracking. It means that you're walking as I walk. You're loving as I loved. Having compassion as I have compassion. It means that you're following me. And people might persecute you by physically assault you or they might assault you verbally and chastise you and slander you. But guess what? The king, yours is the kingdom of God now. Lastly, we'll go ahead and close with this. The response to righteous persecution is the blessing of praise and exaltation. The response to righteous persecution is the blessing of praise and exaltation. How should we respond when we are being persecuted, not because of our fault, but because of Jesus? How do we respond? Matthew 5, 12, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. Okay? So there is this idea of a future but it's still in the present tense. You, there's heavenly, just like heavenly treasure is now, there's heavenly reward now, okay? Verse 12, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So the word rejoice there, the word rejoice there is skyrete, which is like to have joy or to exclaim. But the word exalt there is um, agalistai, meaning that it's like an exaltation. It's what's described as what the angels would sing, glory to God in the highest, that it would exalt. Meaning that when you and I encounter persecution in our faith, we should give glory to God and rejoice, and we should be glad and exalt God and thank God and consider it, here it is, as a rite of passage that I'm a Christ follower. Christ suffered, I, I'm suffering. Man, that means I'm tracking with the Lord. This is my rite of passage as a believer in Christ Jesus. And this is how the disciples and all of Jesus' followers, this is how they viewed and how they responded to persecution. Look at Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, verses 40. And when they had called the apostles, when they had called in the apostles, <laughs> They beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And I love how we just read it. Oh, they beat them. It's like, dude, they beat them. They, they, they had this thing called scourging, where they would whip you 39 times because they thought 40 was the perfect number, 40 strikes, and you would be dead. So they would beat you to the point of death, 
And we just read, oh, they beat them and they let them go, right? In verse 41, then they left the presence of the council rejoicing, there's that word, that they were counted worthy to suffer this honor for the name of Jesus. That suffering, it's a rite of passage for, for Christ's followers. That this is what kind of defines you as not just health, wealth, <laughs> That's all fine, that's all dandy and good, but it's suffering and being persecuted for Jesus. You know, just like, uh, you know, people look at me, oh, where are you from? I'm like, oh, are you from here? I'm like, no, I'm, uh, you know, I'm from California. It's like, how Filipino are you? I'm like, uh, I, was born in, I was born in the Philippines, and they're like, oh. And they're like, want to define how legit Filipino I am, like, oh, you ever had dinuguan, bro? I'm like, uh, dinuguan is like curdled pork blood, okay? <laughs> and it's delicious. Anyways, <laughs> and so they're like, have you ever had dinuguan? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, okay, okay. Oh, you ever had balut, right? You know balut, it's that fermented uh, duck egg. <laughs> and so that would be like, I'm like, yeah, I've had it. They're like, okay, all right, you're, you're a real Filipino. All right, we got you, right? <laughs> Like, that would be a rite of passage to be a Filipino, okay? But Jesus, man, the disciples, they saw the suffering, persecution, being reviled, being insulted for the name of Christ. They, they came out rejoicing. Why? Because they saw it. Man, Jesus counted, just as he suffered, he counted me worthy to suffer just like him because I participate in the kingdom of God to suffer this honor for the name of Jesus. And as we close, um, Jesus is coming back soon, sooner than we expect, where the final consummation of the kingdom of God will reign forevermore. Because right now we live in this parallel universe, this present evil age where sickness, cancer, AIDS, social injustice, sex trafficking, present evil age is running right now, and right now, and along with it, when the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus came, it's running parallel together, okay? We call that eschatological dualism, that in the end, there's a dual age that's living at the same time. When Christ comes back for the last time in his resurrected body, he is going to put an end to this present evil age. He's going to put an end to this present evil age, and the kingdom of God will reign forevermore, and it's during this time in this age that we're living in that the true followers of Christ would rise up. Jesus says, don't call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say. Jesus said, what else? Broad, wide is the gate that, le that leads to destruction. Narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. If you look through the, the Gospels, the, the, the parable of the four seeds, right? There's the good soil along the path, the rocky and the thorny. There's one out of four proved to have a fertile heart. And this morning, like, could, as you, you and I follow Jesus, I encourage you 
transition from being a fan to a follower. That if, if persecution and suffering comes with a salvation package, then bring it on, Lord. If this is my rite of passage, if this is what marks me as a genuine follower of Jesus, Lord, because I want to love you with everything. And following Jesus, let me just close with this. Following Jesus is not about not necessarily about your cognitive thinking of what you think and what you believe, but following Jesus has a lot more to do with what you love and what your affections and what your desire is. We all know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave, but how many of us know John 3.19? John 3.19 says, and this is the judgment. The light, Jesus has come into the world and people loved the darkness. You see the word love there. It's the word agape. People this have this ultimate love of darkness rather than the light because their works are evil. If you are truly, genuinely following Christ, there's something intrinsic within you, Jesus in you, the light of the world, that this dark place cannot handle, where the gates of hell hates your stinking guts, wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy you, and there will be opposition. The question is, are you being a follower of Jesus? Is Jesus the light of the world in you? Paul says, hey, before you take communion, examine yourself. And so, this has has everything to do with what your desire is. What is the greatest commandment? To love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and your strength, everything within you. It's about loving God. So I have a couple questions or a series of questions. The first has to do with, do you love Jesus? Do you love God? In your heart, do you desire to follow him, worship him, and obey him? Does your professed love for God stretch into action and into obedience? Does it have any practical effect on your life? Would other people characterize you as, oh man, that person loves the Lord. They love Jesus. Do you adore God? Do you want to adore Him? Is there something holding you back from throwing your heart over the line and worshiping Jesus? Secondly, do you love the Bible? Do you love God's Word? Do you want to follow the one whom it reveals, Jesus Christ, and follow His commandments? Do you enjoy reading the Bible, taking nourishment from it? Do you care about the Bible? Do you believe that the Bible is true? Is it all true or only parts of it true? Do you seek to understand how it should be interpreted or do you care more about how it fits or does not fit your natural prejudices and opinions? Number three, not only do you love God, do you love the Bible, but do you love living out and sharing the gospel? Do you monetarily support other Christians in need? Do you share the gospel with lost people? Do you care if someone is lost? Is that even a concern? Is that even in your radar that comes quickly into your mind when you talk to another person? My, I wonder if they know Jesus or not. I just don't think they do. Do you pray much for the salvation of lost sinners? Do you want people to be saved? Do you attempt to live out a Christian life in front of other people? Do you inconvenience yourself to present the gospel to others?
Do you suffer for the sake of the gospel or is your life free of the sting associated with a vibrant Christianity lived out in a pagan world? Do you seek to win family members to Christ or do you just assume that they're fine? Do you ask penetrating questions or do you simply assume that they are saved? When dealing with others, are spiritual concerns first in your mind? Do you love Christians? Do you enjoy church and draw nourishment from it? Does the matter of eternity concern you? Does the Bible shape your ethics, your morals, and your life? Indeed, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you will be persecuted. Jesus did not come to bring peace, but he came to bring a sword. Who will be my disciples? Who will be my followers? Are they going to walk and track with me? Charles Spurgeon says, Morality may keep you from going to jail, but it is only the blood of Jesus that will keep you from going to hell. There's a God who loves you, who created you, who made you unto himself, but he is holy. The only thing separating you from God is your sin. Because God is holy, he can't compromise who he is and just receive you and have fellowship with you. And there's a sin problem that needs to be taken care of and Jesus, Jesus took care of that at the cross. For, four, for 33 years, Jesus lived a life of perfect obedience here on earth over 2,000 years ago to live the perfect life that you and I could never live, to die your death and my death on the cross that you and I deserve, to be resurrected from the dead so that you and I could have life eternal and experience the kingdom of heaven here now on earth. Abundant life. And it's freely offered to you. Receive it by grace. Acknowledge, Lord, I need your help. I don't know if I'm following you. I don't know if I'm just clocking in or clocking out. Is there more to this life than here? I already have a family. I already have a wife. I already have kids. I already have a house. Is there more to this life? Jesus is drawing you closer to his heart, and he's asking you, come, come follow me. I love you so much, son. I love you so much, daughter. I have an amazing life ahead of you. I've given you hope in the future. Lay your life down. If you seek to save your life, you must first lay it down. Amen? Let's go ahead and pray.